This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Dana Pickley. I'm Adam Sass. And I'm Princess Weeks, and this is Horror is So Queer. Just getting queerer. Queerness. <laughs> the queeriest. <laughs> the queerest. Query for you all. No, it'd be great when I started that. <laughs> this is your query letter. <laughs> your query for the day is. <laughs> and uh, this is episode three, which I titled in my notes, Slash Me Baby One More Time, because we are going to be talking about <laughs> slasher horror. Honestly, oh, like, arguably the queerest. Pun. Of the subgenres, I it ha- the sexual politics of the slasher just it feeds so excellently into queer discourse because it's all about sex. Do we have it? Do we want to mm-hmm. die that badly? <laughs> well, especially with all of the like um, instigaze drama we have been seeing in this COVID era, it's definitely like the vibe of every like slasher movie is like, Woo, we are we are recklessly having this party. Oh no, everybody died! Like, so it's that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that you brought instigaze into this. We need to. It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> We we need to task. It's the post rope episode. Like we called them out last time, so now we have to do it the next generation. Listen, this is this is on me every episode to just be like, okay, and then and here is why the gays are terrible. <laughs> and we just nod like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no one corrects me ever. Weirdly, well, we have to let the cis uh, gay man say it first because then we can feel safe to be like, we agree. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm, what I'm doing is what I, for, for yourselves, for the for the listeners. Like I'm creating that safe bubble to be like, all right, space. let's all say what we're really feeling right now. And I have now given you that um, that uh, uh, permission slip. And for that, we thank you. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start off this discussion about talking about the official first slasher movie and the kind of oeuvre that we're speaking out. And my personal favorite, 1974's Black Christmas, starring mm-hmm. Olivia Hussey, Margot Kidder, rest in power, just John Saxon, just an, a smorgasbord of Canadian excellence in, the, in this <laughs> film. Oh, we, we are leaving out Andrea Martin. Who oh, yes, Andrea like, Martin. Of, who was like... <laughs> comedy queen and it's just it's weirdly in this movie it is great it's it is so just it, great. she's so weirdly in this movie yes um and then margot kidder and her like tremendous soft butch energy oh my god yes oh my barb gosh. the original justice for barb with margot Just- kidder's barb award. okay so the my 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 like it, it, it's Andrea Martin being in this movie, like it might as like it's it so it so pulls me out of it. It might as well be like Catherine O'Hara in the movie. Like I'm just like, <laughs> what are you doing in this slasher movie? But she's good in it. But she's good in it. It's just it's her own. Um, it's just her own. Her brand is t- too strong for me. <laughs> right, um, too strong to for a Black Christmas. Yeah, it's like uh, Charlotte Rippling being in uh, Rampling being in the new Dune trailer. I'm like, but you're like a third tier Anne Boleyn. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um so my favorite so my my favorite thing this is not queer at all but like my favorite thing about black christmas is that it's directed by the director of a christmas story yes the like, range the christmas the, range, the christmas <laughs> range. Like, 
the, the, fact, the fact that no one was murdered by getting their tongue stuck to a frozen pole was an opportunity missed. Oh my God, for sure. You know, he was thinking about that. You know, I could just take it to that next level. But he's like, I got to hold back. I... Yeah, he's like, yeah, 10 years later, I'm going to make another Christmas movie. And I'm going to, even though it's going to be for kids, it's going to like use a few of the of the things that were really like freaky that I didn't get to do. Absolutely. Okay, so for those who do not know, Black Christmas, the actual first uh, slasher, shout out to you Halloween, but you came a few years later, uh, is about this sorority house who are being harassed by this mysterious phone voice that is kind of named Billy, but we don't really know. And he calls them and talks about how like their vaginas smell and how they taste and just harassing them constantly. And then Barb, played by Margot Kidder basically just is like stop calling us you pervert I bet you can't do anything anyway and then the voice that says I'm gonna kill all of you and then Barb (laughs) her butch energy was too strong and they're like well he he got intimidated so he had to attack (laughs) I mean carrying over from our last episode of the of the like aliens or whatever that like had had to kill the butch lesbian first like it, it it's that's the that's the energy that just really ignites all uh, murder mayhem in movies is, is that energy <laughs> absolutely and our final girl is Jess uh, Bradford played by Olivia Hussey and what is so revolutionary and I'll use that word for this film is that Jess's whole thing is that she is pregnant and she's planning on getting an abortion and she doesn't care what her boyfriend has to say about it and at the end she lives she she decided wow. to get an abortion that that's what she wanted to do and she is not punished for it and i have to say wh- what a time <laughs> and she says the word it's oh. funny cuz it's like it's it's really like okay uh work period piece because like this is this would just not happen right <laughs> like it had like i feel like it was like that few years like around when Roe v. Wade like happened that's when it was like i think i feel like it was like this and Maud, that episode of Maud, or like mm-hmm. the only two times mm-hmm. where I can think of like somebody saying the words abortion and then like actually potentially going through with it, like in the in the in the context of the thing, right? Like because there's there's been a lot of like narratives where it's like, oh, she had second thoughts at the end, or oh, blah 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 blah, blah or something else happened. Um, but yeah, that doesn't. I don't really recall a modern piece about that. Yeah, like Jess is very uh, strong in her resolve and like no one besides her like terrible boyfriend is like, no, don't do it. Da, 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 da. It's just like, yeah, girl, do what you got to do. And her and her explanation is just like, I just don't want to have this baby. But what I love about this whole thing of like, it's this sorority house being attacked by this mysterious male voice, kind of like like a horror little woman. Like as soon as a man enters the station <laughs> to disrupt this utopia of peace that we have created for ourselves on Christmas and you know Billy aka evil voice is just there being like no you cannot all exist and be happy women together I have to destroy you it's I'm just cracked it up I'm a little horror little woman (laughs) (laughs) took me out I'm just sitting back here in the chair got him (laughs) (laughs) you got me Um, yeah it's it's like it's pretty revolutionary it just feels really like um, I don't know. I don't want to be like the movie ages well, but like it's not like there's not a lot. It's it's like pretty like pretty cool with you know the gender politics, Eric. Other than uh, all the women get killed except one. 
Um, right. So do yeah, we consider this a feminist? <laughs> right. Can we consider this a feminist sl- slanted film if like pretty much the entire female cast is murdered? I mean, it's mm. weird. I think that it could be it could be it has feminist aspects to it. I I'm I am low to call any film right now feminist just wholeheartedly, but I do think overall I think Jess not being murdered for wanting to have an abortion and having her be the protagonist is just like something that I have not like, the only film I can think of that does kind of think that is like Kevin Smith's um dogma where like he chooses to have like the the savior of humanity be a woman who who works at an abortion clinic where it's like we're not going to stigmatize you for this and I just think that's just really compelling yeah yeah, I mean, agreed, especially on the eve of um, uh, us potentially getting a new Supreme Court justice. Oh God, <laughs> the worst um, on that. So I feel like yes, that is let's let's that's um that's a win. Yeah, and the film has had two remakes: uh, the 2006 remake and a 2019 remake. And I think just in comparison, neither of them, at least in my opinion, I don't know if you've seen either of them, really managed to really capture what made this film be a slasher where a lot of women die but with the exception of like one like of course barb has the most phallic death where she gets stabbed in the heart with like a unicorn horn which is like the queerest way to go please yes like just like the great gay symbol impales her in the chest well in that 2006 version right 2006 not 2008 2006 oh yeah 2006 yeah with uh um, michelle trackenberg okay. yeah. uh, exactly we've got katie cassidy we've got michelle trackenberg we've Who got mary elizabeth winstead we've got Lacey chavere okay like how how gay icon young actress filled cast could that be right for sure for sure well then also you've got the one that like just came out that was like weirdly pg-13 and like trying to be like the feminist uh, Black Christmas. I don't know if anybody saw that one. I, like, like I did see it. I personally did not feel like I thought it was very ambitious, but I didn't feel like it really captured what I thought it was going to. Right. But I do a pre. But I do think it's interesting because there has been this whole thing about how do we talk about how do we create feminist horror, mm. and even as at the topic of this particular. <laughs> uh, video i think the slasher really intersects with that because so many of our like quote-unquote feminist icons of horror are from the slasher genre yeah Yeah. i mean that's really i mean every time if you're like um like name a strong female character in a horror movie you're gonna go to the the final girls and it's always gonna be like well she survived because of xyz yeah and they all have this huge queer fan base because we all recognize like they're being murdered for sex. They're being murdered because of their pushing against some kind of social sexual moray. And we're just like, you you do that and you live, girl. <laughs> and we're we're all in agreement that Barb is totally queer coded in this, right? Oh, absolutely. The hat, the sass, Margot Kidder herself, I mean <laughs> Yeah. An icon. Rarely does a straight woman exude such butch energy. I love it. Right. I think Margot Kidder is like what Piper Parabu was for girls growing up in the 90s. You're just like, (laughs) 
you're like i just know she can i just know and then she's like and we're like we don't know for sure but we're like but i feel like she's queer (laughs) that's the thing i think like that's what's more important than like the actual reality like it's just like it's like we you kind of have that sense you're just like all right well we're you know we're you're getting claimed like subconsciously right well, moving yeah. on from the delights of Black Christmas, we're going to have to go to the combo platter. I didn't put this on the list, but I just thought of it of Psycho and Halloween, because in these two films, we have sort of like the intersection of sexual violence and queer coding slashers. <clears throat> so with with Hitchcock's uh, 1960 Psycho, which I'm sure everyone, unless you're living under a rock, you know about, it right. is sort of this psychological horror. People wouldn't really call it a quote-unquote slasher movie now. But the major twist of the film is that our lovely, you know, Mr. Bates is killing people in his mother's clothes. Drag killer. Yeah, the, the sort of, like, I mean, you do have a lot of this, like, man-in-a-dress killer thing, which we are all, you know, it which just carries a lot of different feelings, um, you know, throughout um, filmdom. But this definitely was sort of the beginning of, of um, like, uh, oh, don't, don't turn your back on that sensitive queer young man. I'm going to kill you. Yes. The, the, the life... <laughs> very like you know and it's and it's so interesting because i remember like the movie is so terrifying for all of it but you're supposed to be the most terrified when he shows up in this ridiculous dress and it's just like is this supposed to be scary i'm just kind of concerned that it's not fitted you know it's just like there's no there's there's no ceremony to it and i think that what we do see in hitchcock psycho that kind of connects with halloween is just kind of this idea of like women being the figures of violence over these sexually traumatized men. Because with Michael Myers, when we open up on the film in Halloween, he is in this clown costume, clown outfit, and just stabs his older sister to death after she has sex. There's no explanation. There is just this kind of like psychosexual sort of, he's acting out of this impulse to destroy women. And there is something sort of sexually coded with it, which I think is just so fascinating and haunting about the genre in itself. Because it automatically paints this very, I don't know, homophobic light lens over why some of these killers Mm. kill. I have in my notes, all non-virgins and queers need not apply. Right. (laughs) It's because it's funny because like both in, in Psycho and in Halloween... Um, the first kill is really, like, immediately preceded, not even with sex, but with, like, just someone watching a woman get undressed. Right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Myers is is watching his sister, she's naked, um, and she's alone, and she's just brushing her hair. Uh, and then um, Norman is through his painting peephole thing in the, in the parlor watching, you know, it, um, Marion just in her own private freaking room mm-hmm. um get undressed and then it's like oh that's it that's that's that was that's what she did so i think that's i can it sort of like accidentally even illuminates that it's not even just sex it's just like however this man decides to feel about you right and that there is no sense of like personal 
privacy like what you do in the shadows defines your you know your right to live and i think that is so interesting about the slasher genre that we see in halloween texas chainsaw our boy jason Voorhees, who is like are you smoking weed he's like he's the feds he's just like is that weed <laughs> jason Voorhees, the ultimate cop <laughs> he is such a dark <laughs> You know, in the in the late 50s, early 60s, we're seeing this really dominant feeling of, like, queer phobia, of, like, s this fear of gays. And I think it kind of supplants the fear of the communists that we have in, like, the yep. early 50s. And it's like, Americans need to be scared of something at all times. So we've got, we, we, we take that and we move it into what's, um, what's just as insidious as, as communism. It's, it's the gays trying to, to take over society. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a big, um, that was a big um, feature, not a bug of capitalism in the 50s and, and today is, um, is that it's very closely tied to the nuclear family. Um, in that, like, anything, communism, anything else, anything that was, like, anything that sort of aided in the unraveling of a traditional nuclear family was othered, was communist, was bad, was to be stamped out. Right. Exactly. And just the pushback against, you know, in this way, it's like queerness and female sexual autonomy are like the two things. It's like, this is going to destroy America, guys. Negro rights, giving gays uh, rights, letting women yep. have sex. We just can't give people rights. Once the white man loses his rights, what do we really have? <laughs> That's so like, I mean, because like a, a lot of the scariest horror, I believe, got made in like the early 70s and 70s, like where it was just like, yeah, that was during the times when... Um, we were winning a lot of like uh, sort of rights battles across multiple marginalizations. And it was, that's when it was just like the most like, oh my God, society is changing and what's happening. When I was in college, I took a film course and I didn't know until the first day that it was going to be horror films. And so it was just this really interesting time of sitting there and just watching like constant horror films and, and, kind of learning that horror films are so representative of what's going on in the psyche of you know humans and particularly mm -hmm. you know americans when we're looking at american horror films um and how we turn our fears of like biological warfare and this and that into like zombies or you know these particular elements like and then you know we've got these slashers coming in and our fear of sexual freedom it's just it's super fascinating and i also just wanted to add that um they showed <laughs> they showed um uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that class and I had never seen it and oh um, I leaned over and I actually puked on the floor <laughs> Oh no! Oh my god! Uh, uh, iconic, but I'm so sorry, <laughs> Dana. It wasn't a lot of puke. It was. I was able to hide most of the puke, but I was like, the scene where he put any her on amount the book. of puke is puke. Yeah, <laughs> all all, pu all puke. Oh, poor thing. I mean, I oh can relate god. because uh, before which is a good pivot. I had a huge crush on Freddy Krueger's aesthetics for a long time, but he was also the first slasher to genuinely terrify me. So there's mm. something about that. But 
speaking of <laughs> Freddy, I originally was going to say that we discussed A Nightmare on Elm Street, but then I remembered. I was like, tired, Nightmare on Elm Street. Wired, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's oh. Revenge, featuring gay icon Jesse Walsh. Yes, Jesse. <laughs> So great. This is, um, I mean, this is like the closest really like slasherdom ever really gets to like on page queerness, mm-hmm. um, in a lead in a lead capacity. I think like we get there eventually with Scream, but that's way more just like coded that they're boyfriends. But um, this is this is to the point where I've, I I believe there was just like maybe it was a few years ago with this where the Freddy's Revenge like sort of cult and really rose up. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, like, they were interviewing the director about it, and, like, fully, like, the interviewer was just like, will you quit fooling around and say you did this on purpose? Yes, and he's like, a, I literally accidentally, <laughs> yeah. he was like, I accidentally made a gay movie, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, he just was... <laughs> he's like, I'm so sorry, I don't even know. And, it, and you're like, Mark Patton, who plays him, is was gay. Is gay. Right. He's, is gay, yeah. And yeah. it was like, it was like, no, you need to admit this because you've basically ruined my life. And the writer, David Chaskin, I think is his name. Yes. Um, for forever was denying it and then when things started when like the cult did rise in the recent years he kind of was like huh, well maybe um so yeah it's it's like you can't look I mean, at this now movie that he and could be like this isn't gay it, yeah yeah right i mean definitely like classic like coming out like in, in you know person has you know, been in the public eye for like they go to a freaking gay bar denial 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 you're right, <laughs> right. Yeah. yes he has a nightmare about so for so because I realize it's not as popular so Friday's Revenge is about this young lad named Jesse who moves into Nancy Thomas uh, Nancy Thompson the victim of the last movie into their old house on Elm Street and he begins to have all of these nightmares about the one the only Freddy Krueger and one of his dreams is where he's caught where he's caught ordering a drink at a gay bar and is made to run laps at school as like a punishment and the entire movie is like he has like this these feelings for his classmate it's just like all of this subtext but it's like we know what you're talking about this is this is it. It's right full subtext, but it's also just like screaming te- to the point where like straights can watch this and be like, "What's with the gay subtext?" Yeah, they're like, like "What's they're going like, on?" <laughs> I, I, they're like, oh, I'm, "Correct me that- if I'm wrong, but like, yeah, I think I think this himbo friend is creating feelings <laughs> for Mister Mister Walsh." And uh, fun fact about this, and I think it's probably funny. So Mark Patton beat out Brad Pitt, Christian Slater. And Matt Damon for this role. I'm sorry, you said beat out? Yes. <laughs> yes. Blazing. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> Unless... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, yeah, it's and and honestly, good for her because it is it is um it's one of those things where like. Mario Pat is so good in this and you really need someone who like because again, you like like I mentioned in the rope episode. Like, they had this, like, total queer-coded character uh, that Jimmy Stewart ended up playing, but, like, the coding couldn't flow through freely because his Eagle Scoutness was just blocking all that radio waves. <laughs> um, but, like, Mark Patton is just allowing the subtext to just, like, soar, rise like a phoenix. It's so amazing. It and we're all better for it. Exactly. And this and movie is also, like, P.S., like, 60... 
eight minutes long. It's like 71 <laughs> minutes. It's like short. It's yeah, it's like 87 minutes. minutes. I'm like, I miss those days. I can just like uh, take a nap it, after. In no uncertain terms, Mark Patton is, Jesse is the final girl. Yes. I mean, quote unquote. Yeah. He's, he's a final queen. boy. He's yeah. a scream queen. But, but he takes the place of the final girl, which was very unusual at this point in slashers. We didn't really have final guys. Mm-hmm. I think I think we all like I think maybe you had that later with like um oh God, what's his face um in the like the middle Jason movies you had that but he was like a kid like so this is like yeah. really like the only like like teen analog to the final girl exactly yeah I think I think Hereditary is the last movie I watched where like oh he's the he's the final girl like the son and I'm just like huh <laughs> yes. interesting. But yeah, Jesse is such a compelling character. And I and I have to say, I do love that we have a queer man playing a character with a queer fan base. Like, wow, yeah. how, how, how rare. But I really enjoyed how all of the energy he brought to this film. And I just feel like it's a great foil, honestly, to Freddy, who has like all of this very gross, like gay panic energy. Like, I feel like if you were to ask homophobes at the time would they think that a gay pedophile looked like they would say Freddy Krueger so I love that his foil is like someone who is actually a queer man and his all of these like just sweetness just like the perfect like not like like just a normal kid it like totally normalizes that against this cartoonish you know stereotype of what people are afraid of when you have uh queer characters well because this was in the throes of the aids crisis and so this was definitely Mm -hmm. this was like definitely in the midst of the panic mode societally so this was like definitely like predator 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 was the narrative so this was great yeah and Patton um, himself di- uh, was diagnosed with HIV in his 40s. So it's like, again, we have someone who is just bucking all of the stereotypes and got this big breakthrough horror, which is like, ugh, we love to see it, folks. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, right up, Mar- Mario Patton is like so great. I would read it. Honestly, I would encourage everybody to read interviews with him. Um, a big part of why he was like not in movies anymore is that he very consciously stepped away because he was in all these sort of like Hollywood meetings and this was like and, and a lot of it was because <laughs> Freddy's Revenge came out and they were like mm. it is reading very hard that you're queer um, and so they were having all these like meetings within like publicists about like tone down this tone down that da 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 um, and he was like I was getting told this in one ear and then out of the other ear all my friends were dying um, and mm. nobody was caring so it was right. like a really like he was just like, I can't be like in this town doing this thing. Like, so that was um... so like he moved to Mexico and and he sells antiques. Oh yeah, yeah. He's um like super living life, loving life. So yeah, but read read whatever you can from our pet news. Delightful person. We love it. So the next film that we're going to discuss is a controversial one because as much as I, as we will discuss the problematic aspects of it, it also does seem to have a lot of queer fan base and that is sleepaway camp the uh 1983 american slasher film there's a lot to unpack here but i feel like we would be we would be remiss to not discuss it so it is as you as the title says it's about like all these kids who are at sleepaway camp and naturally these children start dying there is of course a lot of sexual 
violence and cruelty among these kids because lord but the film is most infamously known for the quote-unquote twist in which the character of angela is revealed to both be the murderer and to be a trans woman and it's of course done with a very voyeuristic scene of their genitalia and it's like oh my god and it is just a film that i think it is so hard to talk about but it's so necessary because this yeah. was that was that's why people saw the film it was like their version of the crying game essentially right. to be it like it really was it's i mean it's sort of like like even when i saw it, it was like on the docket today like i was just like well yep. you know, we're gonna talk about sleepaway camp like so it's really like it's one of those things where what they made have thought was a really cool twist that in the day was like it's really just it just so super defines the movie which um it's a shame in the, in the in the sort of damaging trope that it furthered, um, and also a shame in that you know like the movie preceding it is a fairly decent you know camp slasher movie. It also actually has loving gay parents in it as well, and so I know. Mm-hmm. so it you know these this this these two men loved Angela and and her brother and they you know tragedy befalls them but we see them as like affectionate loving people yeah which was which was you know a gag then right right and i think also what is so hard about this movie is all the sexual violence that is just surrounding it like at the very beginning someone attempts to you know assault angela one of them is there's another assault that happens later with a curling iron there's just and all of that is surrounding angela so it it promotes this idea of like this introverted person who was being picked on and being mistreated and she reacts in this way that is supposed to put fear into her through her identity of being a a trans woman right Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons that she gets picked on by the terrible mean girls is that they they suspect she might be gay there's the famous line (laughs) what are you queer something angela um and so like that's one of the are you know are you queer why are you a virgin don't you like boys like it's 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 just this weird i mean who hasn't been i mean i've certainly been in angela's position by some shitty mean girls Mm mm-hmm Especially because it's like, you know, if you don't know how you feel about anything, it feels even more threatening because it's like, I just want to figure this out and leave me alone. And it instantly switches her from being someone who is a person of sympathy, who is someone that we're supposed to like want to protect to instantly flipping like, oh, we need to be afraid of her. Right. Right. Oh, it, this movie could have gone such a cool way and it just went like the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I do, I will, I will be saying, I do know some trans folk who do like Sleepaway Camp, who do identify in some ways with Angela. But I think one of the things that we kind of talk about in this podcast is like, there's a difference between like personally, like I really got something out of this movie versus what is it giving to the public? What is it telling us about uh how the how the culture views transness which is something to be afraid of and something that is is threatening inherently yeah i mean or that it's like 
it, and it, even even within that, there is just that sort of like I mean, and this goes across um, transness and queerness, and you know, and it's just it's um, it's just like they're hiding something. There's a secret. They're not telling yes. you everything. They're up to something. Like it's 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 like this ownership that larger society has over like every asset, and that everything that they find out later was some t- horrifying secret you concealed on purpose, and that also means you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. And that like also. Like, a lot of these bullies are honestly homophobic jerks. And it is one of those things where even as you are watching it and you even knowing, like, the twist and everything about it, I just remember just feeling like, I just hate everyone but Angela until, like... <laughs> until, like, right like, the end. And then it's like, oh, I was like, but I still... I'm like, everyone else sucks but Angela. And I'm just like... It's one of those weird things where it's like, ah, the 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 framing and everything about this film makes yeah. it so hard to like uh, it's just so hard. It's 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 one of those things where it's like, oh, we were so close. We could have had it all. Right. Didn't we almost have it all? Didn't we almost have it all? Right. Like I, I would I would actually want to ask you guys the question this question. Do you think that it is Better or worse, that she is the most sympathetic person in the film until the twist. Um, I think better because then it does um, accidentally leave open a reading where it's like, good, yeah, she killed them all. Like it's her Carrie moment. <laughs> yeah, it definitely yeah, like it's like Carrie. It's very much a Carrie situation. All right. See, this is why we come together to talk about this. So. Because I just because I was so con- conflicted when I was rewatching it because I like I said I was just like I really want I like I like I hope she's okay I just I felt so much sympathy for her um, but again it's one of those things where the optics of it is just so painful because it's this is all you had this is all <laughs> and I feel like there is a part of that with 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 queer folk who do have to um, really do a lot of just not necessarily mental gymnastics, but have to do a lot of, like, um, fudging and, and kind of recompartmentalizing to and reclaiming to really just, like, keep a lot of our, like, kind of horror faves where it's like, yeah, they've horror has pretty much never done this correctly ever. So in order to have anything, <laughs> we really have to, like, find a way to, like, live with it. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of mental gymnastics. So much. All right, let us switch to something uh, lighter. So I was thinking about Hellraiser a lot when we were talking about this, and I don't know. Stop it. Um, Okay, so I have to, before you get into this, I just have to say, like, this was probably the closest I came to having a Dana throw-up moment, because, like, (laughs) when I watched this, I watched this in, like, sophomore year. It was, like, on Halloween. I was, I had no idea what I was in for. I was not prepared. Um, this is the most disturbing to me out of all the movies on this list. Like, I had, like, the, like, I think it's, maybe it's, like, hell stuff or, or body horror stuff, which mm-hmm. we might get into in a future episode, wink, wink. Like, it's just is so unnerving to me. Anyway, go. It's a truly oh, man, terrifying film. It's so terrifying. And it, like, technically is a slasher because they do have the, uh, the uh julia's character is definitely going around killing people but to me what makes it so you know under the queer umbrella is all of the all of the kink it is 
Yeah. The kinkiest movie, horror movie, I think. It's... It, Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> let's get wait, wait, jump first, into before, right before in. Before we even go there, um, just so you know, this this ma- this mystical order is called the Order of the Gash. Ugh. Oh, what? Ugh. Yes. Now, what is often Ugh. negatively referred to as a gash? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, there you go. It's funny because, like, so this is a Clive Barker piece who is... Uh, a, a gaiman, and um, this is kind of like exactly the type of um, deliciousness you get when you get sort of like a a, a very um, messed up gay guy making a horror movie <laughs> during the rise of like splatter effects. Yes, uh, it's so voyeuristic, but so good. Uh, I love Hellraiser. I'm a stan. Um, but we have to talk about Frank Cotton. So this this gentleman named Frank Cotton buys a puzzle box where he's asked, what is your pleasure, sir? He has gone through the world. He has engaged in every carnal pleasure known to man. And so he decides to go into this bare attic, solve this puzzle, and is immediately pulled apart by chains. Oh, and he is he's dr- like cubed. <laughs> yes. He is like, it is It is so gross. And I remember watching it on yeah. my tiny iPad and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> and then everything goes back to normal. <laughs> and then his brother moves into the house with his second wife, Julia, and iconic Kirsty curls Great. to the gods, like the one of the best perms in a horror, for sure. <laughs> Great. And, it's, um... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I actually recently described um, Hellraiser to a to a young uh, friend of mine who was, had never heard of it. Um, but he, he was, he was one of those things. He was, he was just like, cause he's, um, he, uh, he's um, like a straight guy, but very, very, but I don't hold that against him. Very lovely still. Um, but he was like. We don't take, we don't judge his right. lifestyle. Yes. He's like, this. Um, he's Italian American. He is uh, heavily Catholic or like raised heavily Catholic now, like now super cool. But like that sticks with you gang. And he was just, and I was like, I was like, oh, Hellraiser's going to really get this guy. And so I was describing it to him and I was like, yeah. So he just, so he's like this kinky guy and he gets this puzzle box and it's, um, it's, it's like kind of like, haunted with demons from hell and um it you know rips him into pieces it cubes him then his guts sort of seep into the floor and really haunt the house and then like um he basically tries to convince his niece to like slowly resurrect his guts um and then a bunch of demons come after him it's like the craziest blurb (laughs) of a movie ever oh my god and and yet so true so accurate um and what I, I think the kink aspect of it is what's so interesting to me because it's basically just like this guy who has done it all and and we can and we can believe it's all of it and then all of a sudden he gets teared apart and this innocent virginal girl is like basically put up against the the scariest BDSM cult of all time <laughs> yeah Pinhead is like the scary daddy oh my god but people love Pinhead Pinhead like people want Yes, yes, people totally of... want to hit Pinhead. <laughs> he's a zaddy. He's he's a horror zaddy. Well, because he cannot be ruffled. Like everybody else in this movie is just like, you know, 
you know, it's super ruffled and flummoxed by everything going on. And he is just very calmly walking through this movie. Very, very dom Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, I think, and that's dom another reason why I think... <laughs> slip, try to slip that past you, listeners. Um, but, like, he... Like, so I think that, I think Pinhead is another reason why maybe um, Princess this kind of gets maybe lumped in with um, slashers is that, like, I feel like Pinhead is really, like, talked about in the same breath as, like, Freddie and Jason and Chucky and all these other sort of, like, 80s, 90s movie monster folk. Yeah. Because, like, Hellraiser is definitely not a traditional slasher. It's definitely more of, like, a horror, gory type thing. But Pinhead's appeal, as you said, is just such a part of what makes the the film series so popular and it's so weird because really he does nothing he's like in it for all of five minutes in the first movie he's just like yeah here i am with my pierced several nipples and just you know i'm tall i'm in leather it is what it is i was so here's the thing like my knowledge of pinhead preceded me watching this movie so i was expecting to see pinhead like way more um in the movie and that's kind of another reason why i was just like i was like oh it's about this like kinky like murderous guy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then like he kind of just shows up with these cenobites like <laughs> towards the end. Um, it's just such a trip to watch the first movie, I, and it was so disturbing. I don't think I've ever even wanted to watch any subsequent ones. <laughs> I'm so sorry because in in Hellbound colon Hellraiser two, we get a character named the doctor who is like a a newer cinnabite that literally has a giant dick coming out of his head like i <laughs> what yes <laughs> like unacceptable <laughs> like it's like a giant fleshy phallic thing coming out of his head and oh, i just google imaged it oh this I is am doing horrible. it too <laughs> Dear listeners, if you want to know why this is part of the horror so queer colloquium, you have to see. It's both the kink and the giant dog head. It is insane. This is uh, he is he. The doctor is extra. (laughs) The doctor is in the building. (laughs) Pinhead is all about the minimalism. The the doctor is 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 extra. He's compensating because he's new. He's new. <laughs> oh my god! Meanwhile, this Pinhead is... is like confident. He's the elder gay. He's like, ah, these kids. They just come oh. here. They just want a whole dick on their head, and it's just like simplicity. <laughs> Start with needles. <laughs> a whole dick. It's terrible. This body <laughs> modification is <laughs> out of control. <laughs> kids these days <laughs> grab a harness just wear a little cute little leather harness right just like start off with that guys septum piercings let's just do that um oh, but i i i love hellraiser i love its dark queer kinky aesthetic because it has that roots in clive barker's actual queerness because i when i look at him and i look at hellraiser i'm like yeah i guess i like yeah, i feel that this is part of you <laughs> That's the thing, I think, and that's another thing I think queer people can provide to the, like, horror filmdom is that, like, as creators, we go there. And that's why I think that's why a lot of us go to, you know, is these these sort of, like, more extreme uh, realms is because it does really require you to be really outside and really go there. Because mm-hmm. no one else is putting a dick on some <laughs> paper mache dick on somebody's head. 
Is that not why we created practical effects? Is this not? Oh. <laughs> is are you not entertained? <laughs> CGI ain't got nothing on that. I mean, uh, CGI could never. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for um, some straight guy to like remake Hellraiser and just and not bring any of the not import any of the queerness over and have it just be like a huge flop. Oh. Maybe that's already happened, but like. it probably has already happened. I mean, considering there are like terrible movies after it, but like the first two, they're solid, gross movies. <laughs> Shit, so gross. Oh my god. So I want to wrap up, but I wanted to wrap up. I didn't add this to the to our 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 um our our syllabus, but we gotta talk about Scream because you mentioned it, Adam, and I was like, oh, I have failed you because I didn't put that on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was subconsciously thinking of it because I'm like I was like oh I know we're not doing a slasher queer episode and not talk about scream at least a little bit I know I was like there's so many things I mean there's like prom night there's so we could do a part two for sure but we have to talk about scream because I mean it it just it put so much energy into the genre it was so compelling but also Billy and Stu OTP. Um, the original, the, um, you know, the original, um, uh, problem boyfriend twins, um, and <laughs> like, like, you know, still terrorizing us. Like ro- rope walked so they could run because it's, it's true. Like if anyone is like the, the, the Leopold and Loeb brought to life, it is definitely Stu and Billy. Like they are, they are giving you that. Yeah. Well, cause like we know Billy has this sort of like driving you know, mother narrative, but like Stu is doing it because he's bored and his boyfriend told him to. Yeah. Like. <laughs> he, and I I think also the queerest scene for me is actually when they're like, let's just stab each other and see what happens. I'm like, what? What are you doing? And he's so funny and he's That's like... That's such a guy thing to do. He, he's, and then he stabs him too deeply and I'm just like, oh, no, guys. That is, it's a guy thing and it's a gay thing because it's like, it's really, because like a lot of like gay guy culture is very like, um, it's really this like hyper-masculinity thing. Like, so it really like a big part of that charge is just like, yeah, come on. Blah, 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 blah. Like it's that <laughs> stupid way of talking that they have at the right, end. They had, they had something they needed to try to prove. Like they were literally nuzzling each other like five seconds prior, like menacing Sydney. And then like, they're like, yeah, come on, stab me. Like, oh, you go too deep. Oh my God. Like it's just like, a <laughs> horrible scene. Like, it's just, like... And we cannot, we cannot not mention that Kevin Williamson is, is openly queer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, oh, sorry, like, that is um, writer, 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 director Kevin Williamson. Yes. Uh, yes. So yeah. So we got the, but the writer of this movie, not the director of this. Movie. Yeah. So like, it's it's one of those things where like his his sort of imprint, um, is all over, Scream, and because Scream is so influential, like everything else. I mean, you could go into the faculty. You could go. Oh, into, the faculty. Oh, the faculty. That's going to be in our alien episode because Let, I yeah, love okay, that. Yes. Cause <laughs> the faculty, I really was recently defending the faculty because somebody was like kind of low key, like sloughing it off. <gasps> like, no. And I was like, the faculty is amazing. How I dare watched the faculty no, a yeah, hundred times. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was, um, 
yeah, I was doing a, a one of my tour stops for my book, and it was like I was doing it with Caleb Rarig, the author. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, the faculty." And I was like, "What are you? We're stopping." What we will tour. not do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tour's over. You're canceled. I have to cancel you now. Um, iconic soundtrack, iconic cast. Like uh, we we must talk about the faculty later on. Um, but scream, but scream, and Kevin Williams. Kevin Williamson had a big, um, you know, because he's a chatty gay, so he had that chatty gay energy over everything. Sort of a know-it-all chatty gay. So, like, that's the sort of thing. So these movies are all very knowing and actually and this and that and referential. Right. Like, I think, is it the character who is uh, Randy? Like, Randy Meeks. Like, he is deaf. Like, yeah. Jamie Kennedy's character. Like, oh, I know you. He's like, he wants to be with Sydney, And it's like, nah. Yeah. You just want to be best friends with Sydney. You don't actually... <laughs> you. I wanted to be with Sydney. I mean, yes, I wanted to be with Taylor. This was a very delicate time. <laughs> this was at a very delicate time of my adolescence. I mean, Sydney. I mean, like again, had all of these teens survived into their like early twenties, I think like they all probably would have come out because like I think Sydney definitely has this like attracts gay guy energy. Um, so there was a lot. <laughs> there, there was always like somebody like you know growing up that I was like everybody, all the all the queer guys later on were just like, oh, I'm just like I, I'm in love with her so much, but you were really just sort of like obsessed with her or like some other thing. Like there was some other thing at play, but it was not you thought it was love but it wasn't it's like that meme that was going around like my son can't be gay he loves women and it's like oh, these yeah. are the women and it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like sydney prescott tatum sydney <laughs> yeah. and tatum or sydney and uh gail like because here's the thing we can't even talk about like queerness and horror without talking about gail who's uh. like every gay guy i know is like i'm gail and that's just 100%. And that's just, and that's the end. I'm Gail. Like, that's everybody. Listen, if you're going to take on Gail, you've got to take on those bangs, too. The, happily. Like, yeah. um, um, you say that like it's a threat. Don't threaten me with a good I time. Was like, yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, don't you, don't you think that uh, gay guys are not familiar with the, uh, the world of bangs and uh, crisis bangs? Right. The bang. It's. Because also you get the bangs, but you also get the green suit. So Ooh, you win some, you lose suit. some. You know, it's it's worth it. I mean, I'm definitely get my my. You know, we're we're all part Gale, but like I would say, my Gale is when is when she literally is telling Sydney that she's going to send her a copy of her book because that's the sort of thing when you when you've got like a book churning out and it's in your everything out of your lips is like here's how that relates to my book. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I was definitely like, I could definitely see someone kind of getting caught up in the, in the, in the, in the swirling energy of like, I know you're grieving right now, but I'll send you a copy of my book. Yeah. It's like, well, it'll be Atlas here. Oh, I'll look for it. It's like, okay, guys, we get it. Just hug it out. Oh, when you're an author and somebody says, oh, I'll look for your book. You don't let that go at all. You're like, hold on. I have a link right here. <laughs> Do you have Dropbox? For you. <laughs> Do you want to know that arc, honey? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not perfect yet. It's not completely edited, but I mean, it's the general gist. Yeah, but don't review any of the typos. It's like not (laughs) finished yet. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, my God. Guys, I thank you for letting me lead this discussion of slashers. I loved all of this, but we always end with a question. So Mm. my question to you is, which horror slasher would you go on a Tinder date with? Now, I know, Dana, you're committed, but if you you weren't... Right, right. right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, pretty easy for me. Michael Myers. Mm. Um, The silence. He's 
he's quiet. <laughs> um, he has a he has an appreciation for industrial onesies, which I do too. Um, he's probably a good listener. Are you saying Michael I, Myers has like sort of like a butch kind of energy? Like, like, like. I think if it was made now, he'd be wearing a Wild Fang onesie. Um, oh and I think that, yeah, I think that he's a good listener. And I, and frankly, like when I get nervous, I talk about myself a lot. And I think that he would be okay with that. <laughs> I love that. Uh. Um. Okay. Well, Danny, you stole mine because I was like, <laughs> You're like that's my man. But okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna do a boy's mind, but like it's Michael Myers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny that you think he's yours. <laughs> that's his, See, that's he's Jason. calling you're you even, right. You're not even doing it right. Oh, it's Adam is like, so actually, I'm taking. You can have Jason. <laughs> you don't see, even Jason know him. Like, I, see, I do like Jason, but like, he's a little rotted. He's like, a little literally rotted and like waterlogged. Like, <laughs> like, if he wasn't that, I would probably yeah go for Jason. But I would say yeah, I would say anything where it's just um. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm always like, you know, on a day I was just like, you know, I'm, you know, always thinking like, okay, well, what is he thinking? You know, that's it. You, you don't know. You have that sort of like blank sociopath. Now. What is he thinking? Thinking I'm gonna fucking kill you. Slowly coming towards people, and I'm just like, oh, what's he thinking? How did he get here? Like when he says I'm on my way, he's there. It's like, oh my god, he's, he's already, never he's late. Already there. The call he is shows coming up. from inside the house. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, married. But when, during my dating in my twenties, there was a ton of like, and that's another big reason why I went with my husband is that like, I was doing shows all over LA. I had somebody who was like right next door to the theater. I was, I was doing a show at, could not get him to show up. Um, and then here's my my husband who we were long distance at the time. He was in New York. He flew out to come see that show. Aww. And I was like, I was like, good. So Michael Myers, same thing. No matter <laughs> where you are, he's showing up. Oh, reliability. Reliability, trust <laughs> he will be there. I'm I'm gonna have to go with Pinhead. I think I exposed myself earlier, but I feel you like totally if anything, it, you're gonna have a good time. You're gonna have a good time. Good decor. <laughs> I, I mean, think the definition well, of good time is a little different. <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll both jam out to WAP together. He'll be like, I I get this. He's like, hmm. Good. See, he, he's like in control, but he's also got um like those dry quips. Yes, so he's not not funny. Like he's he's got like some personality, mm-hmm. and it kind of like he, he's like that quiet guy who like that has was... occasionally like, oh wow, that was really that was really funny. Okay, good. And his quips are gonna be the only dry thing. <laughs> and you know what? We know he invests in fine chains and fine leather goods. Like the jewelry is gonna be great. Like I just take one of his nipple rings. I'm like, this will be mine now. And I just take it. I'm like, this is nice. And the only thing is, like, how do I get out? I'm like, no, no, no hooks in my body. But we can, we can discuss. We'll have a contract. He'll you guys, he'll be are, my uh, my Christian Gray. <laughs> we are deeply disturbed. <laughs> we are deeply deeply. Something's wrong with us. <laughs> I love how, like, none of us were even for, like, a second, like, date a monster, a killer? What are you talking about? I have to think about this for you a while. Gonna, you two were about to fight over Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he's, he's, fond of cho- he's, he's a fan of choking. He's got, he's got big, powerful hands. It's great. Oh, God, I love this. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 
<laughs> he knows Jamie Lee Curtis. He knows where I can find her. Oh my God. Hang out. You can go to the Knives Out too. And it's like, I bought Michael. <laughs> His knives are out. Back pocket. His knives are out. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that a knife in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Oh. Oh, Princess. Thank you for leading this uh, conversation. Where can we find you on, on social media? You can blame this all on me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Weeks Princess, W-E-E-K-E-S. And I have links to all of my good stuff right there. Make it easy. Adam, where can you harass us about your book? Oh, my God, please. If you go to my Twitter um, at the Adam Sass or my Instagram at it's Adam Sass, uh, you can find all my talking that I will be talking about my, about my book and I will send you a copy um, for $17.99 plus Shipping. Shipping and handling. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, and some tax. Um, but yes, my, my young adult novel, Surrender Your Sons, my debut YA horror uh, thriller about teens rebelling and escaping uh, a conversion therapy camp on a mysterious island um, is, is out now. And so you can go get that wherever fine books are sold. And you can find me and Dana, on Dana, where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dana Pickley. That's two C's, one L. Or on um, the uh, QueerMediaMatters.com. And so thanks, everybody, to listen for listening to Horror is So Queer. We are part of the Anatomy of a Scream podcast network. Check out their other awesome, very scary podcast this season. And um, so, yeah, until next time, stay queer and stay spooky. <laughs> the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad. <laughs>